Welcome to a new episode of the Cigar Snob Podcast interview series, where we sit down with interesting personalities from the world of cigars, spirits, entertainment, and just about anyone else who's worth smoking a cigar with. And now here's your host, Eric Calvino. Hey guys, we're back with another episode of the Cigar Snob Podcast, and this one's a little bit different than uh, the usual banter episodes with Ivan and myself. See, we're working uh, on a summer cocktail series for the upcoming issue of the print magazine, which, by the way, you can always subscribe to on CigarSnob.com for just 18 bucks for the year. Anyway, one of the cocktails in the series features a new gin distilled right here in Miami called Harry Blue's Gin. Harry himself was kind enough to come into Cigar Snob headquarters to introduce the gin and make cocktails for our team. After a full day of cocktails and cigars, we somehow managed to sober up long enough to record a podcast for you guys. So stay tuned after the break for my conversation with Harry Bluestein of Harry Blues Gin. Brothers Billy and Gus Fakie, former owners of the Cigar Inn retail shops in New York City, have put their years of experience serving a broad range of cigar smokers into their new cigar company, Artesano Del Tobacco. Their first release, Viva La Vida, is a Nicaraguan puro produced at the A.J. Fernandez factory. Viva La Vida is available in five Vitolas, a 6.5 by 54 Torpedo, a 6 by 54 Toro, a 6 by 60 Gran Toro, a 5 by 54 Robusto, and a limited edition Diademas Finas, which is a beautifully made perfecto that's 6.5 by 52. Prices range from $10.50 for the Robusto up to $14.50 for the limited edition Diademas Finas. The cigars are not only made by A.J. Fernandez, but also distributed by him as well. Viva La Vida cigars are only available at brick-and-mortar cigar shops. So ask your local dealer for Viva La Vida, or look them up at artesanodeltobacco.net. You can also connect with them via their Facebook and Instagram, at Artesano Del Tobacco. All right, and we're here with... Mr. Harry Bluestein. You like Bluestein or Bluestein? So my dad always said Bluestein. All right, so I'll go with Harry. Well, hey, we're here with Mr. Harry Bluestein. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. uh, Harry from uh, Harry Blues Gin, a new craft gin uh, distilled here in Miami. Yes, sir. So let's give us a little bit of background on on yourself and what you were doing before you went on this wacky venture. All righty. Well, thanks for having me, first of all. I oh, really, man. really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. You're welcome. And um, so I'm an entrepreneur uh, through and through, maybe a serial entrepreneur like the, you know, some of the folks like to refer to. Left home when I was early, uh, when I was young, and um, been involved in, in many, many different industries. And uh, I was right before getting into the craft spirits, I was in uh, wellness, wellness and, uh, and health. And uh, I probably did that for about seven or eight years and uh, selling DNA tests and, uh, and trying to make folks healthy. And, and, um, so you decided to make folks not healthy. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I'm, I'm in the same kind of boat. I wanted them to be happy. Yeah. 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 Seems, seems like people are trying to get healthy and it's like it's a misery trying to get there. So, uh, so nah, let's just help them get happy instead. <laughs> exactly. Now, well, you did that here today. Excellent. So, uh, for those of you listening, uh, Harry prepared a tremendous amount of cocktails for us here at the office. Let's just say it was an early day. Uh, everyone has taken off, <laughs> and it's just Harry, Natalia, and I doing this podcast. So, uh, and Jasper, of course, who may make an appearance later. Sound good to me. 
So about uh, 10 years ago, we started, uh, and I say we, there's two other couples, my wife and myself, three couples. We uh, started traveling uh, around together and uh, enjoying some of the finer things in life, the foods, destinations, and, and spirits and different drinks. And I was, uh, one, of the, one of the couples was uh, kind of in charge of the destinations and the transportation. And uh, one of the couples was the uh, food and, uh, and mixology department. And, uh, and I was put in charge of spirits. I guess the folks realized that I like to have a lot of fun and, and drink a lot. So when, um, when I first started uh, taking care of the spirits, I was given orders on uh, what we should buy and how many cases of this and how many bottles of that. And um, very early on, I was turned on to a St. Valentine's Day cocktail, which is a gin drink with uh, grapefruit and St. Germain. And, uh, and I really liked that. I really liked that cocktail. I liked, uh, I liked the buzz it gave me. I liked the tastes and the taste profile. And the health benefits. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I always think, uh, you know, alcohol does a, a, a world for you on the inside. And... Um, so that's how we feel about cigars, by the way. Awesome. You know, that we, we feel the same way. Like, uh, you know, people want a bad mouth tobacco and whatnot, but the relaxation and, and the, the disconnect that you get mm -hmm. from just enjoying a good cigar and spending mm -hmm. an hour and a half or, 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 or more mm -hmm. with, uh, with some good conversation and some good camaraderie, that gives you so much more. And I think it's the same thing with alcohol. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, yeah. yeah, of course it's not good for you, right? We know. We know this is not good for you, but but it is holistically. It is good for you. Ab absolutely, you know. I I personally think it's not only the physical. You know, it's a lot of times I think we as humans look at a physical appearance of something and then we make a judgment. So few times do we realize how much is going on behind the scenes yep. and how much we can't see. So you know, the truth is part of our recipe and our gin is not only what it tastes like, but the experience. And it's where it takes you. And I think that, together with the cigar and the culmination on whether you're disconnecting from the world at that time or you're going through whatever's transpired that particular day or week, you know, some of the guys smoke on the weekends. Yep. Whatever, you know, you get to actually analyze all of that. Yeah, like process it. Exactly. So you can process it, you can deal with it, because everything, in my opinion, needs to be dealt with sooner or later. You can procrastinate as long as you want. My grandfather told me, that was one of the words, my grandfather would call me on Saturdays, my Italian grandfather, he's a winemaker, uh, Napoletano, Daniel DeVito, and he would say to me, I'm going to teach you, every Saturday he would say, take your dictionary, go grab your dictionary, I'm going to teach you a word. And one of the words that, stood out the most and continues to do today is procrastination. So you can procrastinate on a decision and having to deal with something as long as you want, but eventually you'll have to deal with it. Yeah. And, and so that's one of the things that I like. And, and what I like about our gin is not only the way it tastes, but where it takes you. So in, in high school, I remember reading a book and I, rem I remember a book. A one, book. One book. One book. All <laughs> I got. American Senior High. <laughs> so, so I remember reading, actually, this may have only been the only chapter I read in that book. <laughs> Sorry to be so honest with you, Eric. 
the human is always seeking the ultimate pleasure. And we're always seeking the ultimate pleasure. And one of the things that I love about our gin is it allows me to sip something that tastes amazing, but it always takes me to a, to a, a much higher pleasure than what it is just, just being down on earth. Now, that's a good segue into when you, before you started this gin, uh, this, this distillery, let's say, this gin distilling company, you, you weren't a gin drinker per se. Right. Right. So what did you, what did you drink before this? And how did that inform how you went about uh, developing the recipe for this gin? So what I drank a lot of was scotch. I, I drank and enjoyed a lot of Johnny Blue. I enjoyed the smoothness of the scotch and, and, and where it took me and the fact that I could go to it so quickly. It's so easy because you want to have very little ice on such a, a nice product. So very little ice, scotch. Excuse me. And I drank a lot of tequila. I was a big margarita guy. Excuse me. I would love going out and having margaritas and a weekend of margaritas. So I loved all the tastes that a margarita would bring. And I love the smoothness of the scotch. So what I did in part of the recipe development was add something that was very tasteful and something yet that was a product that had no bite, very little bite, something that you can enjoy neat. And that's part of the culmination of, it took about 10 years. You know, if you to look- To develop Harry Blues? Yes. Now, you know, not- in a notebook fashion to where 10 years I was working day and night on yeah. the actual recipe, but it was, it was a call. Oh, you wouldn't have been able to afford uh, Johnny blue if that were the case. <laughs> <laughs> you were just sitting there yeah. with a notebook, but exactly. So it was a, it was a culmination, you know, maybe 10, 11 years ago, I had, you know, I, a particular experience and I jotted down in the back of my mind where it was like, you know, I, I like that. I, I want that to be part of something. So and and I can attest to that because when when you guys sent us the first bottle, mm-hmm. we're now on I think bottle three. Uh, when you sent us the first bottle, all I did was drink it neat, awesome. because you know I I'm I'm not I mean when I when I lived in New York I drank this was very common in at least in my bar where I hung out you know in New York everyone has like their local bar yes, and so in in my bar. During the summers, we drank gin and tonic. Okay. That was standard, mm-hmm. right? It was hot, and we would hang out outside, uh, like you know, just outside the bar. We had these little tables, and we'd drink gin and tonics, and I'd smoke my cigars out there, and and whatever, get get in trouble. Yep. And and then in the winter, we drank scotch mm-hmm. or Irish whiskey. Actually, more than more often than not, we drank Irish whiskey, Powers or Jameson or Bushmills, and. And so, for me, when I'm tasting a gin, I'm immediately like. Back then, we were drinking. It, I mean, uh, I'll be honest. It was Bombay Sapphire. That's what we were drinking okay. back then. Yep. It was Bombay Sapphire and tonic, mm-hmm. and and I enjoyed that. Right. Sure, sure. So when I first when I first uh, received the bottle, I didn't I didn't go out and make a gin and tonic like I would a Bombay Sapphire and tonic. I really just wanted to have it neat because over the phone you told me, you know what, this everyone says that they like to drink it neat. So I said, okay, well, let's judge it on that, on that standard, let's say. Mm-hmm. 
And I did, and I actually enjoyed it because I drink tequila neat. I, I, I drink most of the stuff neat. Sure. I make mixed drinks at home when I've got company. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, when I'm here in the office and the day's over and everyone's gone home, I'll just pour myself something out of our bar and I'll just have it neat. And so I did, and I loved it. I really did. Uh, you know, most gins, you just can't drink neat because there's not enough there. Mm-hmm. Like what you get is that like bitterness and that alcohol bite, and then not much else. And you get maybe the aroma, you get a little bit of the juniper in the nose, mm-hmm. but you don't get a lot, a lot more than that. And so this, right out of the gate on the nose, was like, oh, hell yeah, I can definitely drink this neat. I can tell already by the nose. And then when I took the first sip, no problem. So up until today, when you showed up, with a bunch of cocktail making uh, accoutrement, <laughs> I uh, I was just drinking it neat. So, but now now that I've had it in these cocktails you made, uh, that it opened a whole new world. So, thank you for that. That was a lot of fun. Awesome. Um, we've also got uh, a little bit of an origin connection. You and I we didn't know this until today, but we actually grew up in the same neighborhood. Yes, sir. So is that a public thing you talk about? Well, I mean, I'm not a rapper yet, so <laughs> <laughs> you may have to invite me back one day, you know, with your permission. But, um, but yeah, yeah. So we both grew up in in Carroll City, which is a, a neighborhood. Yeah, toast to that. <laughs> toast to that. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Sorry, give us a second. You know, when you toast, you have to drink. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Carroll City thing is uh, has that. Has that, uh, or I should say, how has that informed the way that you go about in business, right? Because I think for me, for me, it was something that always affected the way that I, that I did things, right? I went from, you know, growing up in Carroll City to going to Gables High. And then, and then here I am uh, in New York working at a big investment bank. Mm-hmm. But I was always the guy... That whenever we went out to dinner, it was always, no, no, just ask Eric, you know? Right. Because the guys with the street knowledge are the guys who who can solve problems when you're out and about in the city. <laughs> exactly. And so did, did you have any any of that? Like, how does that affect the way you do things? You know, the truth is, I feel it keeps you humble yep. uh, when you're in the street. And, um, you know, my mom raised us. She worked three jobs. And, um, you know, she did whatever she had to do for us to, to put food on the, on the table. And, you know, when you grow up in that environment and you realize that you got to do whatever you got to do for your family, you know, in the future as it evolves, and, and then that's what you do. And when you grow up and you're lucky enough to have a roof over your, over your head, but, you know, maybe it's not uh, shindigs and, you know, or, or any of those super finest things in life, I think when you do experience uh, the better things, it keeps you humble. I think. That makes you appreciate them. Absolutely. And, uh, and when you grow up in an environment like we did, your word is your bond. You know, if, yep. if you tell a man something's going to happen, it's got to happen. And that's, you know, there's no two ways about it. Yeah. Yeah, there's and, no choice there. Yeah, exactly. It's not, oh, I didn't feel like doing that today. Right. No, you said you were going to do it, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and that's, you know, so that's the environment that I grew up in. and. Personally, I feel it's helped me when, uh, you know, when I've been out and about or I've done uh, a handshake deal with a man, he knows where I'm coming from. 
and and it's been part of my upbringing it's been part of where i'm at and still today i think it keeps me humble and i think it puts me where i'm at and i think that's why my partners know where i'm coming from and and i think that they know that when i tell them something's going to happen i'll i'll make it happen or better than what i had committed to yeah yeah i uh i tend to wear it like a like a badge of honor yep you know uh cuz it does if you make it through that gauntlet mm -hmm. i think it says a lot about you mm. uh if you're able to make it through and thrive because that's a very difficult environment to thrive in right for anyone mm -hmm. doesn't matter what's going on whether it's a you know a uh, single parent or family it doesn't matter when you're going through that environment to get through it and to thrive uh says a lot about the person so uh so i appreciate that from you man absolutely uh so now so we talked about your your ideas before you know what you drank before gin but then you taste this is it valentine's day cocktail is that what it's called yes sir saint valentine's saint day valentine's cocktail. day cocktail so I've never, I've never had that. Okay. So we'll, we'll have to have round two here. <laughs> yes, sir. And, uh, and have that cocktail. So, uh, now how does, how, technically, how do you get from, I drink scotch and, and now I taste this cocktail to, I've got a product that is now distributed, uh, in, in major liquor stores, mm -hmm. not bars because COVID has stopped all of that right now, but. Uh, eventually that'll come back. Absolutely. But how does how do you go from that point to so tell me about the genesis of that? How do you get to this point that we are at today with a bottle with beautiful packaging, this beautiful square bottle, thank you, uh, with an excellent product? How does that give me like just a the a brief overview of the steps of how that comes about? Sure. So as you know, just to step back for a second from coming from Carroll City, if you're not better than the best, then you get eaten up. You know, it's just yeah. plain and simple like that on the street. Um, so if you can't defend yourself and you can't, um, you know, do the right thing and so on, then then you're the 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 little man on the pole. So yeah. um, I I I was always taught to be better than the best, and um, and when I decided to go down the path of distillation and distilling and creating my own product, I started to do research. And I started to learn what it took to manufacture, distill, bring a gin to the market. So we employ three main processes where it's a maceration process. So through the extraction of ingredients and their flavors, in a maceration process, which takes us about 72 hours. We macerate water-soluble, alcohol-soluble, and we change the temperatures in that process in order to completely extract the ingredients and their flavors. Okay. Then we go into a distillation process. So we distill the product. And as part of the distillation, you have a vapor infusion and there was a lot of trial and error in the process of making it. So we did a maceration. We did many macerations. We did many distillations. Can I stop you for a second? Absolutely. So when you're saying a maceration process, mm -hmm. 
without giving away a full recipe, right? Uh, which obviously I, I don't want you to do. Mm-hmm. What exactly are you macerating? So we macer- give us some examples. Sure. So we, we would macerate. We have a tertiary product, so it has three main levels, okay. and we take our three main ingredients, a portion of them. So we take our juniper, elderberry, and our elderflower, and we macerate them for 72 hours. And um, one of my partners taught me many years ago, one of the, the folks that we got together with, the chef, Pepe, taught me it's not only about ingredients. It's about technique. So through my research and through my trial and error, I learned what the best technique for the maceration was of these main ingredients. Does that answer your question? Sure, sure. So now juniper is, I would say, right, it, it's the essential element in gin, in gin right? Yes, sir. Absolutely. So... In addition to that, is elderberry, is that common in gin? I'm not so sure how common it is. Uh, My recipe is personal to me. Each and every ingredient in my recipe, in our recipe, has a personal effect or has personally affected my life at one point or another. So you've got a connection with each of the ingredients. Yes. And elderberry happens to be a black sambucus in their complexity of where they sit in the, uh, you know, in the whole plant chain. And my mother drank black Sambuca after meals religiously. So the elderberries there for my mom. And, um, and what that brings to the recipe. And so, again, without going into every one of them, mm-hmm. give us some of those other connections. Like what are some you've, you know, we were talking earlier about you know your connection to the Indian culture mm-hmm. and and things of that nature, can you give us some more of these types of examples of of why certain uh, ingredients or elements are in the uh, the gin? Absolutely. I use pink roses, for example, and when I was dating my wife in the very early stages, she was uh, a little difficult to conquer they all are man don't don't <laughs> let that like you know don't let that mess with i was head. fooled i was a young man <laughs> i was cradle snatched they're all difficult so uh so for for you know, for about 30 days straight i sent roses to my wife of every color and fashion that you can imagine and uh, and there was uh, she liked these silver ladies they were called, and um, and when I had so as I was working in the uh, on the recipe, and getting the recipe to where it could be on a world stage, I had to decide on pink roses or a different ingredient. So I t- I selected pink roses because immediately that brought back to me a connection to my wife. So that's why I selected the pink roses, for example. The Indian spices go back to 1993 when I met one of my best friends and, uh, you know, a, a brother to me. And, um, and I started to learn the different spices that he liked. 
the you know the Indians like to chew on particular spices, whether it be after a meal, whether it be for uh, to to get good breath, to fight the bacteria in their mouth, whatever the cause may be, and uh, and I selected four spices that were relative to the last thirty years of my life and and in different circumstances that I've in situations that I've been in with him where he selected those spices. Yeah, that's uh yeah, the the Indian culture is uh it's such an old civilization. Yep. And they've got all these I've you know, at, in my previous life I was in IT, as you know. Mm-hmm. And as a programmer, I worked with a lot and lived with a lot of Indians. Okay. And and so I I can oh, cool. I can relate to that. Awesome. You know, you you learn a lot of things uh, just talking to them because for them it's this is what I learned as a kid, right? And you're like, man, that sounds like the you know a lot of thought went into why you chew that or why you eat that or why you sleep that way. Mm-hmm. You know, they never sleep on their left side. Uh, you know, like all these crazy things. Uh, and then like little kids, you know, they they uh they're given a a spoon of ghee every morning. Uh, and right. it's like, what? Well, wait a minute, what? What is that about, you know? And so right. they, they have all these different practices. Yes. So I can relate to that because uh, working, like I said, working and living with them, uh, you know, I could, I could, uh, I learned so much mm-hmm. and it, it's such a, it's such a different uh, culture to ours. So, so now, now let's go back to when Harry Blues Gin starts. Cause okay. you told me a story earlier about how you and a, and a group, that you got you guys cycle together mm-hmm. constantly, right? All the time. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, but you always drink during these cycling things, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's so, so I'm not. A, I'm not a cyclist. <laughs> I, I ride my bike for fun with my kids. Okay. So, so how does how does that how does the drinking? I mean, I did. I used to run, and when you run, you do drink a lot. But typically, okay. we were drinking beer. <laughs> but uh, after a run, right? So you guys ride bike. And then afterwards, you just you drink hard liquor. That's right. Well, okay. Uh, at least I do. <laughs> <laughs> so after the rides, for the most part, I drink tequila, and or at least I used to drink tequila before. Oh, the, okay, good. I was gonna say, wait a second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did I not get Harry Blues tequila today? I just got the gin. Right. So before Harry Blues came to the market, I would drink gin. Most of the guys drink tequila. Beer. Yeah, tequila. Sorry, and um, most of the guys drink beer. And so we go on Saturdays, we ride during the week individually, everyone's got their responsibilities and what have you, but we try to come together on Saturdays as a group and we do what's called our, our Gran Fondo rides, which are generally 75 miles more or less. And it's about a three or four hour ride, you know, depending on what time of the day and so on with the heat. So after the ride, we go out and we hang out. It's part of the camaraderie. This is all like uh, in the back back of someone's car? Or uh, no. Not you... Normally, we would go to an establishment. Okay, okay. So um, for the longest time, excuse me, we, w- we went to George's in South Miami. Yep. And then George's closed down and we started going to Casa Cuba. So we go there and on Saturdays and we'll, we'll hang out for sometimes longer than what the ride is. We, we could spend three, four, five, six hours there sometimes, believe it or not. Just BSing just, and drinking and some guys smoking cigars and Yep. Just just chilling and hanging out. It's And so then 
at what point here, do, while you're experimenting with, with this gin recipe, at what point do you present it to your writing buddies and say, hey, this is what we're drinking today? So, so Mark, um, you know, Mark Bussain, a buddy of ours that's on the team, he says, uh, I start sharing with him a little bit about this distillation process and what I'm doing and how I'm experimenting with spirits and, and stuff like that. And he really saw how excited I was about it. And, uh, and he says, well, heck, you don't, you know, you don't drink beer anyway. Why don't you, why don't you bring some of that stuff after one of the rides? And, um, and, uh, and I didn't bring it the following time. And he said to me, you know, what happened? What's up? Why didn't you bring the, I said, I thought you were kidding. You know, who's going to want to drink my stuff? You know, that's, you know, I enjoy it. And that's probably about it. Yeah. So he's like, no, no, no. I told you to bring it. So next weekend, be sure to bring it, but bring your booze or whatever you got. Your, your hooch. Yeah. Your hooch, your moonshine, whatever you want to call it. Bring your ice, bring your tonic, bring everything and you bring it. And then uh, let's see what the guys think. Let's see how we, what we think about it. And, uh, and so that's what I did. I took, um, I took, you know, what he said to heart. And on the next ride, I, I brought all the ingredients. We uh, actually parked uh, right in front of Casa Cuba that day. So I wouldn't have to go too far. And once the ride got to Casa Cuba, I went over to my car, I grabbed the, the moonshine and I grabbed the ice and I grabbed the tonic and, um, we asked for some glasses and, uh, three bottles down, everyone was happy. And that's, uh, that's how it was born. And so the, these became like the initial investors in the company, right? Most of them, yes. Yeah, so, uh, so after one of the guys tried it, he, he needed to get going. You know, after a couple hours, he's like, uh, tell me when you guys are going to share, uh, sell some shares because I'm in. And then the other guy, someone else got up and said, let me know when you guys are doing your round. I'm in. Who do I make my check to? And, uh, and then another personal friend of mine, Orlando, said, uh, I gotta, you know, I gotta look at yeah, this. Yeah, that, that's this. our that's our connection, Orlando. <laughs> that's our boy. Yeah, exactly. So he's, uh, you know, he's a very conservative individual. He is. Yeah, and uh, so S he smart son of a bitch. Too. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be uh, his partner. And uh, and he got up and he looked at me in the eye and he goes, "I like it. Call me tomorrow." And uh, and the rest is history. Probably the hardest nut to crack in the whole crew, right? That's what most of them said. <laughs> <laughs> and most of them said, if Orlando's in, I'm in. I'm in, yep. <laughs> yes, That's sir. good. Mm. So so today you prepared a cocktail for us. Mm -hmm. uh, you prepared several, but the one that really uh, worked beautifully here with cigars, in, in fact, was a cocktail you called El Italiano, mm -hmm. so the Italian. Yes. Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh how you make that cocktail i mean just a basic rundown okay uh and then and how that cocktail got started okay maybe in reverse order tell us how it got started and then how you make it okay super so as i was creating my batches in in the hooch or the moonshine i would uh, i'd go to one of my partner's house who uh to pepe and, uh, and tia d's house and i would say to him hey look what i got you know because i know that they're very creative and tia d is really creative on the on the mixer and um and she tried it and uh and and she said i i you know i leave it with me and uh and i'll see what i can do and uh so she is a mixologist she is right? yeah yeah yep yeah, yeah. sip 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 that's what she calls herself s-i-p sip yeah. and um and pepe called me the following week and he's like hey uh, what are you doing tonight and i said oh, i'm chilling well, you know I'm, I'm at home what's up so i said come over i think we have something for you and um and uh, I went over and uh, 
and they had uh, this idea of what they were going to make. And, and um, so Tia D started to get out all of her ingredients. She's very methodical. And, uh, and she put all of her ingredients out and, and she created the, the drink. Pepe wanted something with some basil because Pepe's got a huge Italian connection, uh, even though he's Cuban. He loves <laughs> the Italian stuff. And he um, and he really wanted uh, Pepe and I could be friends. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And um, yeah, he actually has got he shares you know in, in our conversations he's shared some of your passion for your island also. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so she created uh, she created the Italiano for Pepe, and uh, and I just dropped and so, over. So how do you how do you make it again? We're gonna have a we're gonna have a video of how you make it mm-hmm. uh, on the website, and we're gonna feature. The cocktail with the cigar that we like with it, okay. Uh, which, by the way, is an Undercrown Shade uh, from Drew Estate, which I mean, it pairs beautifully with the with the cocktail. But tell us how to make it uh, again. Even though people are going to see it in the magazine and they're mm-hmm. going to see it on video, mm-hmm. but just give us a, a quick rundown of how you make it. Okay, it's it's very simple to make in a shaker, two shots of gin. Half a shot of St. Germain is my favorite. You could probably use, you know, several different elder liqueurs. I like St. Germain's. Quarter part or less, an eighth of a simple syrup, preferably made from basil. Very simple to make. So simple syrup, like infused with basil. Correct. If possible. Yeah, exactly. If possible. Not to go out of your way. Yeah. Not to get crazy about it. Adds a little flair. Half a lemon squeezed. Into the shaker. Thoroughly into the shaker. Some ice. And shake it thoroughly. Vigorously. Vigorously. I saw you shake it. You, you were shaking vigorously. <laughs> Absolutely. And then you can take your coup or you know a, a glass that you'd like that's preferably chilled, and you can pour it right into that glass. And then a little lemon around the rim. I like for the oil on the lemon peel. Yep. Put a little twist in there. Pour your drink neat, or not neat, but you, know, you pour it uh, out as it is. Yeah, and, and in in our case here, the way that we liked it even better was over a, a a huge block of ice. Right, exactly. And you could do that also. And if you wanted to activate a piece of basil leaf as over we did. the ice, yeah. as we did, also that that'd be. And fantastic. so for for people who don't know what activating a piece of basil <laughs> means, because I, I mean, I'm, me, I, I'm I'm into the cocktail thing. I dig it. So when you say activate, I get it. But there's people out there who are like, I don't know if there's an on switch on the basil. <laughs> so activating is really just, you know, you take the leaf of basil and then you basically give it a good slap. Exactly. And when you do that, it's like the the aroma from the basil just... Comes to life. Yeah, it engulfs the room. It's crazy. Right. And so then you drop that in the drink, right? Yes. You drop that over the ice and then you pour, then you-, you strain it out in the glass and, and that's it. Something very simple. Beautiful, beautiful cocktail. So. We uh and 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 easy to make. Yes. I mean, uh, aside from the basil simple syrup, which someone may not be into making their own simple syrup, you can buy simple syrup at any at any store. You can mm-hmm. buy it at the supermarket, uh, but you can also make it you yourself. Can. Yes, so, very simple. Yeah, give us the quick uh, on how you make it. The quick is a one to one part. So the simplest is one cup of sugar, one cup of water, let it boil, and then put it in the fridge. Correct. And so if you wanted to make a basil simple syrup, you would do that and then steep it with a few basil leaves, five, six, seven. After it's done boiling. After it's done boiling. Yeah. You steep it just like you do with tea. Put five, six leaves in there, whatever makes you happy. 
cover it. You know, I do actually did it right in the pot. I, I made sure that the sugar and the water was mixed well. A few leaves in there. I covered the pot, let the pot sit for 10 minutes or so. Then I put that in a glass jar and put it in the fridge. Yeah, it's just like a, a sweet basil tea. That's it. So, yeah. And so then, uh, it like I said, it's a beautiful cocktail. It's easy to make and it paired perfectly. I mean, we tested it with a few different cigars, but the Undercrown Shade uh, from Drew Estate was amazing with it. Awesome. Amazing. Uh, you know, the, the cigar is, uh, the Undercrown Shade is, is a mild cigar. Mm -hmm. So it's perfect. Like this is, you know, that cocktail I consider a summer cocktail. And that's okay. part of the yep. series that we're doing in the magazine. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is you can have this by the pool. Mm -hmm. And if you want to smoke a cigar with it, this is the ideal cigar. It's a, it's a mild cigar. It's not a cigar that's too heavy for the midday sun, mm -hmm. right? And then the that that sweetness in the cocktail, mm -hmm. that basil aroma in the cocktail with that cigar, I thought was spectacular. Awesome. I mean, uh, it's one of those where you know sometimes you 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 try to force a pairing. Mm -hmm. Like for example, in the magazine, we'll do we'll do pairings with. For reasons that are different than flavor, right? Most of the pairings we do in the magazine are because of flavor, okay. right? We're trying to find complementary flavors mm -hmm. uh, or even common flavors. Mm -hmm. Say uh, like a a very earthy cigar with a with a stout beer. Those are, you're kind of going on similar flavors, mm -hmm. like flavors that it has in common. Uh, but then other times you're looking for complementary flavors. Right. Uh, and so sometimes you have to force it, right? Because sometimes you're doing a pairing because uh, something has a common name, not mm -hmm. a common flavor. Mm -hmm. And so you went, oh, okay, well, this, this makes sense in the magazine because, or company X has a co-branding agreement with company Y. Right. And so we're, we're kind of forced to pair those things together. Mm -hmm. uh, and this one, is not, that's not the case. This mm -hmm. one, it was, you brought the cocktail right. and we we looked across the board for different cigars that we thought would work well. Mm -hmm. And this one was perfect for it. So, uh, so I would highly recommend that. Awesome. Uh, now if someone is interested in buying Harry blues gin, mm -hmm. uh, how do they get it right now? Right now we're distributed by gold coast beverages and we're available online in 37 States. So, uh, Jensen's liquors, for example, that sells online, Lejeune liquors, uh, they will, absolutely sell online and you can have your bottle shipped, shipped to, you. to 37 states yes sir oh wow yeah yeah and uh and uh, now from what i understand after covid there has been a relaxation in a few of the states as well so so someone can go to jensen's liquors yep which com. is right here in miami yep or lejeune liquors yep dot com and they can purchase harry Gen harry blues and have it shipped to the wow it's amazing yeah uh what about you, you're also in Total Wine. Yes. And Vintage Liquors. What what else? Mega Liquors, Big Daddies, uh, Village Liquors up in Jupiter. And uh, we, we've, we've really gone the gamut. Um, we have about 50 off-premise and, and, uh, and on-premise in, you know, it's only been a few weeks since we've launched. So uh, we're excited about that. That's That's probably the larger, I may be missing a few of the, of the independence, but but that talks about. But crazy, right? To launch a spirits company in the middle of this madness, right? Right. So 
Uh, how has that affected you guys? We had to pivot quickly, to be honest with you. Traditionally, when you launch a new product, you go and visit the on-premise, the bars, the restaurants, those kind of guys. And you have to meet with those folks and really have them sign on to your product and be able to get them to support you and be able to get on their menus and the cocktail lists and all these things. And uh, that's the way it's done traditionally. Yes. And but that, that acts as, as almost marketing. Yes. Right? So someone walks into their local bar. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, you know, it's hot. I, w- I want a gin and tonic. What do you got? Oh, well, you know, normally you drink Bombay Sapphire, but today, check this out. We just got this gin. Mm-hmm. Try this out. Right. And that's really, that's how it works uh, traditionally. Correct. Right. And so that's marketing for you. Exactly. And, and we were geared up for that. Yeah. And then COVID comes and closes everything down just about. Yep. So we had to pivot because we had been working on our recipe for over a year and distilling and we had uh, let our um, bottles rest and our product and so on. We have a very long process. It's not just, uh, you know, it comes out of the still and it goes. And, uh, and the truth is, um, you know, I just, I felt the product was ready and I felt compelled to go to market. So I went and I visited with uh, Jensen's Liquors with Eddie on March 18th of this year. And I said, Eddie, we, we've got to change plans. I need, I, you know, I need your help. I need to be able to start selling our product. And the on-premise are closed. You know, can you, can you support me? Can you give me a hand? Can you give me a little space on the shelf? So he said, all right, I'll give you a chance. I'll give you a shot. And, and so how did it do when it was in there? Phenomenally. It, went, it, it, did, it did very well. The truth is. Uh, we supported it through social media. We got the word out as much as we could. You know, Harry Blues is at Jensen's. Uh, this is the only place right now in town that you can get it at. And, uh, and, and, and he sold out very quickly. He bought five cases to start with. You know, he didn't want to go crazy. And, and right now today, he's been one of our, one of our largest outlets. Beautiful, man. That's Thanks. good stuff. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. So, <clears throat> and so... You're also, you had mentioned earlier mm-hmm. that you, you recently signed an agreement to be in Louisiana. Yes. Right. So how's that? Well, we're, we're, it's, it's going well. We're very excited about that opportunity. And, uh, and PF Imports, uh, through a relationship that we have and one of our other partners, was, uh, was able to share our product with the, the guys at PF. And, um, and they just fell in love with it. Uh, so they were able to get their hands on a bottle that they bought through Jensen's online and they had it shipped because we had no promo bottles. We had yep. nothing. COVID was closed down. So, um, Tim Basso calls me and he says, uh, Hey, so tell me a little bit about your gin. I heard about it. It's great. So I told him, he says, all right, well, we've got some experience with that. Let me, um, how can we do about, about getting a bottle? And so he, Tim saw me go, you know, him and Han a little bit. And he goes, all right, all right, all right. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll buy a bottle from Jensen. And, uh, and he had a bottle shipped out to Louisiana. And, uh, and, uh, and they shared it amongst themselves and their group. And, uh, and, and, and they loved it, you know, from what Timmy tells me. And, um, and he was going back home. I guess Timmy lives in, uh, Tim lives in Georgia. And, uh, and one of the folks said, uh, I guess the bottle's going to stay here because we really like this product. So Tim called me from Georgia. He's like, man, they kept the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. And so beyond that, so 
anyone can purchase it through Jensen's Liquors or Lejeune Liquors. Uh, and now it's going to be distributed throughout Louisiana. As far as I know, yes. That'll be starting in uh, in August. They should have product. And so beyond that, what are the what are the plans? Because, you know, spirits are, are difficult, right? There's this three-tier system mm-hmm. uh, with each state. So is there a plan for what's next? I'd like to uh, look at the North. And, and our plan is to be solid at home, you know, own your home, and, and then grow slowly but surely. I'd like to be in the North. You know, we'd like to be in the, in the Northern states, New Jersey, New York, up in that area uh, when we possibly can. Yeah, Tim's talked about Georgia a little bit. So the plans are to grow, to grow but uh, uh, to have, you know, solid footing. And so what is the what what is the demographic of the typical gin drinker and is that different from the Harry Blues uh demographic Sure I I believe in what I've seen and just talking to the consumers because I'm out there and I and I I like to be in touch with them I believe that the you know our consumer is 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 someone that can appreciate a new world gin. We have a new world contemporary gin. It's a gin that's that's botanical. It's got some citrus in it. It's a it's a very well balanced product, and it brings a f- different palate and a different charm than any other product. So you know, it's not your grandfather's gin. It's not something that uh, you know perhaps a previous generation would have been familiar with. What I find is the folks that I'm sharing our product with at our tastings, probably folks in their 20s, you know, mid to late 20s, 30s, 40s, those folks have been able to appreciate the product that we've brought to market. When you get a, a, you know, perhaps an older generation, that individual's used to perhaps a little more- uh, A specific profile in their gin. And and yours is is a very different profile. I mean, when you compare, and we did it earlier here, uh, when you compare a traditional gin mm-hmm. and you bring it up to your nose, it's a very different animal right. than when you bring the Harry Blues to your nose, right? right? There's, it's just that explosion of aromas mm-hmm. that are just not there mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a traditional gin. And with the aromas come the flavors as well, right? I mean, you're talking about a gin that you can drink neat. Mm-hmm. And you can't say that for traditional gins. I don't know anyone mm-hmm. other than perhaps a wino who didn't have a choice, <laughs> uh, who drinks just gin straight. Mm-hmm. Right? I think if you go out and say that to people, they're like, okay, you're nuts. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So and very, very different. Thanks. So, so in part of my research, in the late 1800s, when the Brits uh, were doing uh, the gin at home and distilling and so on, a lot of what you found in someone's kitchen was a bottle of gin and a bottle of perfume. The perfume makers and the gin makers uh, were kind of in the same kitchen. And um, by coincidence, our recipe happens to have that spectacular aroma. Yeah. It's very, I mean, it's, like I said, I I mean, I said it earlier, but it it definitely jumps out of the glass when you you bring your nose up to it. and so let's do a little bit of a of some uh social media how do how do people find out mm-hmm. uh more about Harry Blues mm-hmm. uh and then 
and give us your website and all that stuff? Thanks. So we are part and partial to Miami, as you know. So on our Instagram, we're at Gin Miami. Instead of, you know, trying to do this whole big branding thing, we are local folks. So Instagram, Gin Miami. You can find us on the internet at distillmiami.com or harryblues.cc, exactly how we're spelled on our label. Very good. Well, thank you, Harry. Thank you for, for coming down. Thank you for sharing those cocktails with us and for making just such a badass gin. So <laughs> thank you, man. Thank you, Eric. Thanks right. for having me. I really appreciate it. Very grateful. All right, guys. Well, uh, there you have it. Uh, we'll see you guys on the flip side and uh, stay tuned for more stuff. You've been listening to the Cigar Snob Podcast. Tune in next time for more nonsense and chicanery. But in the meantime, you can find previous episodes of the podcast on cigarsnob.com slash podcast. Follow us at Cigar Snob Mag on all the social media platforms and be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, hasta luego.